Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Jake Bentley chased and dropped the 15-yard line. Roquan, the chef, Smith. <laughs> Roquan Smith, he's the highlight show of this defense. In the ring, steve has got him up. A slam. But Blair, he's not paid one, two. He did it. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hour number two, Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and I, Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 10 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Coming up at 8.30, we will talk some college football with one of our favorite guests, Ty Hildenbrandt from the Solid Verbal Podcast. College football, the season is just a couple weeks away. It's, we're almost at, we're like three weeks away from week zero. Which is that? Love the, I love week zero where you get that one game and then it's and then it's just on. We I, are four Saturdays away from Chicago's college tailgate retur- returning mm. to the airwaves with Jonathan Hood, myself, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah will be with you every Saturday throughout the fall covering college football. We love college football and we can't wait to get back doing that show, Chicago's College Tailgate. And we'll talk with Ty Hildenbrandt at 8.30 about Notre Dame, about Michigan, about Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, all the good stuff in college football coming up in 25 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. We have the summer of football coming up in about 10 minutes right here. We will hear from Prince Amukamura, Bears cornerback. He was on with Cap and Company earlier today. And we start things off this hour, Abdallah, talking about the Bears at practice today. Things looked a little sluggish for the Bears offense that outside of a unnoteworthy type of day for the Bears down in Bourbon A. It, it was a good day, but basically not a whole lot going. It's practice. I mean, listen, you, you're either going to look at it as the, the offense struggled or the defense was crispy and, you know, the, 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 the kickers didn't make their kicks. They didn't have, they had their, the kickers had their worst day. Uh, both, for those uh, new to this hour, kickers, can you uh, describe what crispy defense means? Uh, watch the Bears defense. That's crispy. Okay. All right. Hold on. Well, uh, Eric Ostrowski and Sean Davis producing tonight's show. Do you like the crispy? Are we okay with calling them crispy? I love the crispy. I told my four-year-old niece she had crispy shoes on yesterday. Yeah. She had no idea what I was saying. Right? But, What's but, going on but now she's like, I bet I got some really good shoes on. She's got Kyrie's. She's four. All right. That's cool. Sean? I'm, I'm down with that. Sean, what do you think of uh, the crispy defense? Can we call the defense crispy? It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Back to you, Chris. <laughs> All right, Chris Buckingham Abdallah here singing for Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. 
How about that quarterback, QB1, Mitch Trubisky, talking about uh, does he get frustrated facing the number ones every day, that number one defense that's crispy. Here's Trubisky. I mean, it's part of it. You get frustrated because you're so competitive and you want to win every drill, which it's it's not realistic to win every drill, but that's what you strive for, especially going against our defense. I mean, they're tough. They create a great challenge for us every day, but you got to believe that's making us stronger and better, and we go on film and we watch, and it seems like we had a frustrated day, but you go watch the film, it's like, all right, we got better here, here, and there, and uh, you just got to keep making those plays and keep being competitive and, and, and not back down, so that's what we're doing, and, uh, and, and they're pushing us. And we're pushing them, so we just got to keep going at it. And we know how good they are, but we're, we're going to compete with them and stick with them every day. Mitch Trubisky down in Bourbon A with hiccups. Uh, here's Trubisky talking about, is he uh, sick of hearing how good the defense is? Here's Mitch. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, because we know how good they are, and uh, they, they give us a tough time in practice. But we're also proud of it, and we know they're making us better. And uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. They're a great defense, but we want to be a great offense as well. But at the end of the day, we're, we're one team. We're one family, so we stick together and push each other as brothers. But uh, uh, brother, brothers compete. It's competitive out here. We want, we're trying to win every single drill. Am I the only one that th- hears the stutter in the audio and, and thinks that that's he has from, the hiccups? That's from the Bears. No, uh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, yeah, it's how yeah. the Bears. It's uh, your radio. It's yeah. how the Bears presented it to mm-hmm. uh, all of us in the mm-hmm. media today. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it sounds like he has hiccups, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's part of it. You get frustrated because you're so competitive and you want to win every drill. Which it's it's not realistic to win every game. Or like he he has to. I thought burn, he said right. That, like he he's like trying to hold it in. Right. I thought he said I that mean, you have to you have to try you get to win. Frustrated because you're so competitive and you want to win every drill. Which I thought he's there. I thought he said that you have to, to uh, drill, but that's what he strives for, especially going against our defense. I mean, they're tough. They create a great challenge for us every day. Didn't it sound like in the beginning he said you try to win every drip? Which, yeah. When I get out of bed and I get dressed, I try yes, to win every drip every yes, day. Yes, with your crispy jeans. Uh, no, here, the jeans aren't crispy. The jeans need some work. But. Here, here's Coach Matt Nagy. Uh, we started off by saying it was a bit slow, a bit sluggish from the offense. Here's Nagy on the practice day being sluggish. So today, I just told you guys, you know, today was the day. And what I mean by that is right now being in the middle of camp, I think the guys' legs are a little bit tired and they're, they're feeling a little bit sluggish. You always have these days, um, and it's a matter of when it comes, and today was it. So I thought they they did a pretty good job of fighting through it. You see a couple guys, uh, like a guy like Taylor Gabriel, he just was just a little a little sore, um, you know, with his hamstring, and so he, he just we just wanted to be precautionary. But um, for the most part, again, we got to be mentally tough. Our guys got to stay strong. They got to fight through this. Losing teams don't fight through it. So we, we fought through it, and uh, I, was, I was appreciative of that. It wasn't bad for just the offense. Also a bad day for the kickers from Matt Nagy. That's no excuse. I mean, it's, you, 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 none of us can have that. But, um, you know, regardless of that, they, they – uh, they, what, 6-9 and 7-9 for, for those guys. So they know they got to be better, and today wasn't their day. But, they again, how do they respond the next time they're out here? That's all. Coach assessing Mitch Trubisky in practice today. We have big picture. Uh, there's there, You're going to see some balls in here. There's interceptions. I said it last year. We don't get frustrated over that. We're, we're testing some things out. Um, we That's your guys' job to be critical of him and me. So uh, we, we know how to balance that. We know what's real and what's not real, and that's what we do. So what's the best way to assess how he's doing relative to what you thought, the progress you thought he'd make, you know, in the offseason. Yeah, as far as, like, in the offseason? No, as, as far as what he's doing out here now. Right now, yeah, just, I'd say more stuff that y'all don't see, which is the protections and understanding how to fix that. Seven on seven, there's no threat of the run. 
So you're allowed to play a little bit deeper in coverage and know that we're going to throw it. So we force some balls in there. But I think reining them back in once the season comes to just taking what they give you, always with that mentality of trying to go deep when you can. Okay, so that's Coach Matt Nagy after practice today. So did you hear what he said at the end? You want to have the deep throw there so then you can check back in a game situation, keep the threat there, but then you rein it in in in-game situations. So hopefully that's going to move forward with the Trubisky development and he is able to do so in games. He has a good arm. Yeah. He just needs to be more accurate. He's a great athlete. We've never questioned his athleticism. He's great on the run, but it's a matter of the difference between him being able to make the reads, check uh, all of his options at wide receiver, tight end, whatever it is, wait for the play to develop, and not just look for his first option, not see it open right away, and tuck the ball and start running. That's the difference that needs to happen between year one and year two. That's when you know he's making that next step as a quarterback. Now the Bears, they have a uh, practice tomorrow at 8.15 in the morning, and then they have basically one more day of camp. Uh, Tomorrow's the 6th, so uh, on Tuesday they have that day tomorrow, and then they have closed camp on the 7th. They have the preseason game, the first one against the Panthers on the 8th, Mm the 9th closed camp as well. And then on the 10th, the blue and orange day down in Bourbon A, the last practice for training camp, and boom, it's over. We're on to the preseason, and we're on to the regular season. So Bourbon A is about to end the short 14 days down at Bears training camp. Yeah, it comes and goes very quickly. It's like going to actual summer camp where you well, only go for like a week. Listen, this is um, in the NFL. This is all uh, for PR and to uh, give something to the fan base. You know, all these teams have yeah. great, beautiful facilities. It would probably make logistically a lot more sense to just stay home and do this. But it's cool to allow people to see yeah, it up close and personal. Yeah, get autographs, all that kind of stuff. I just want to know... Um, when I, when I went to camp, Chris, I went to summer camp back in the day, and the, the group of kids with the cleanest cabin at the end got free ice cream. So we had like a, like a canteen where you'd go and yeah. you'd buy ice cream and stuff like that and chips and Gatorade or whatever you wanted. But the, the, the group with the cleanest cabins at the end got free canteen. Okay, so uh, are you trying to get that to how Trubisky's keeping his room clean? Well, it could be anybody. It doesn't have to be Trubisky. Right. There can be leaders on defense. There can be so leaders on offense. you think they're going to get like extra treats? Maybe. Whatever whatever they offer them. All Free right. canteen. All right. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black singing in for Jonathan Hood tonight. That's what we did. Each night in the summer, Jonathan Hood brings you the best football coverage at 8 o'clock in a segment he likes to call The Summer of Football. The summer of football. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. With Jonathan Hood. Come on, baby, let's get it. Let's go now. You fired the first shot. Let's go, man. Drive starts. we deep in their own territory. And it's picked off at the 25 yard line. Eddie Jackson. And he'll go in for the touchdown. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. Pressure now on Mahomes. He's in trouble. Now gets it away. Are you kidding me? Barkley up the middle. Cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Standard bounds. And Barkley takes it all away. Summer of football. Lawrence flips it open. Justin Ross off and running. And Clemson strengthens its grip on this championship game. Williams in the game for the first time this year for Notre Dame. Takes the hand up and takes off. Let's be great, baby. Let's go. The summer of football. You got it. Work right here on ESPN One Thousand. I think we ain't done yet. And the ESPN app.
The summer of football each and every night here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan tonight. The Bears were at training camp today. Our station was at training camp today. Cap and Company, Carmen and Yurko, and Waddle and Sylvie all down in Bourbon A. And earlier today, Prince Amukamura pulled up a chair and got a chance to talk with Cap and Company earlier today. It's great to have you here. How's camp going for you first? It's hot, but um, it's going good. Um, this is my ninth training camp, so I'm just trying to learn something new every year. So there's been some school of thought that the defense is so advanced that they're making it tough on the offense to execute. How would you characterize how the offense is and how your defense is dominating? I wouldn't go that far, but um, I would say that offense has has their day and the defense um, has we have our day also um, this is the second year the offense has been in the playbook and and we're learning some new stuff on our defensive end so um, I would say uh, we both uh, I would say it's been pretty neck and neck what are the battles like with you and uh, the Bears receivers do you guys get a little competitive during workouts I would say so yeah um, I mean we're, we're both competitive on, on both uh, positions and um, and Anthony Miller gets a little mouthy, of course, and, and so does uh, Javon, Javon Wims and stuff like that. So we have our battles like today. Um, uh, Kyle won with Javon on one play, and Javon said, let's go like line it back up. And you have Nagy at, at quarterback, and he's just throwing uh, bombs and stuff like that. So we, we get after it a little bit. So let's talk about Mitchell Trubisky because this is a guy who has, seems to have all the intangibles. He seems like he's galvanized the room, and now it's his second year in the system. Them. Give us your thoughts on Mitch right now. I, yeah, I think I think he's doing I think he's doing a great job. Um, it was I think he's doing a great job. Like you said, uh, this is his second year in in the playbook, and um, Nagy is a mastermind on offense. And it's funny we were driving. Um, I was on a cart with Mitch and Chase, and the chants were ch- chanting like MVP, MVP. And I'm thinking like it seemed they seemed random, but then. I see a link that I guess Mitch has like a lot of votes. Well, he was 200 to to 1 in Vegas, and so all this money came in on him. Now he's down to 40 to 1. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So so I'm with it. put two paychecks on it, by the way. (laughs) Done. I'm with it. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I feel like um, he's, he's going to be great for us. And we saw what he did against um, the Buccaneers, just him um, him having that six-touchdown game. And then I think what was more impressive, like the last game against Philly, how it was a very clutch situation. And then he like helped us like drive down the field and put us in um, a good position to win. When you think back to when you started in this league in 2011 and to now, how difficult every year this league is making it for you to do your job. Referees were here last week talking about the new PI uh, replay. Yeah. What did you get from that conversation? Uh, how do you think they're going to ultimately call the, the PI replays? To be honest, I actually like it because I feel like offensive players push uh, push more than um, than than the DBs. But um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of flags on PIs just because it's like it still counts as a challenge so if it's inconclusive like you just wasted your challenge on a um on on a potential pi call so but one thing i did ask was the hell marys because you know the hell marys right there's a lot of tussling a lot and stuff like that but they said that they're gonna um call that call that play the same all right so you have a new coordinator in chuck pagano who by his nature he said i'm more aggressive vic was more we're base defense and we do what we do right. how hard is that to deal with the change and do you think you'll be a team that will 
pressure the quarterback more because of the blitz? You know what? I would say the difference between Vic and Chuck is that um, Chuck is a little bit more vocal. Vic, Vic didn't really say a lot, but it's funny you still can, you still knew how he felt towards you just with him being silent. But um, I feel like they're, they're they're both pretty much the same the same type of defensive guys. Of course, when you're when you're a new coach, you have your own plays that you want to call. You have some pride in that, so I'm sure he's going to sprinkle some of his stuff. But um, we won't really know until we get to the game how how he's going to call it because. Now that now he's watching film and now um, he's actually game planning. When you go back to a year ago, Roquan Smith was a holdout. At that point, Khalil Mack was not a bear. And now you take it to where we are right now. Did did a lot change when he was acquired as far as how you guys approach training camp and now that 52 is in the mix and leading the way and you're watching him for a full preseason? Has it had an impact of how you guys have attacked Bourbonnais versus last year? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, before before we got Khalil, we were already um, we were already pretty good defense. But I'm not gonna lie. Like as soon as he was a, I mean, as soon as we acquired him, I mean, I was I was I think I was in California. We had a little break, and I was like screaming when I saw the um, the notification on on my phone. But I always tell everyone, Khalil has the, the LeBron effect. Like he bring, he comes on a team. Everyone has their best seasons. I do. Kyle does. Akeem does. Eddie does. Like everybody, um, everybody's on top 100. So, um, so we're definitely thankful for um, for Khalil, and he he definitely makes our team better. Ryan Pace said to us last week, "I operate with no regrets. If that guy's available and I can go get him, no regrets because." He plays hard on the field. He's a great leader right. off of the field. So when you're in California and you got this week break before you know, okay, it's on, 16 games, here we go. I think we're pretty good. And then you pick up the phone because I remember I was in my bathroom and it's 7.30 in the morning. I'm like, what did Schefter just say? Right. Khalil Mack is a Chicago Bear. And I went crazy. How did you find out? Just your phone popped up? Yeah, I mean, I I've, I had a lot of text messages, and I'm thinking like, man, did I fail a drug t- drug test? Like, I'm thinking like, did I did something come out? Did something come out on on me? And then um and then the the TV was on, and then I, I just saw I just saw the ticker, and I just, I just went crazy. And then it's funny because we get him that week of Green Bay. Right. Like, he's been out all all training camp, and um and then we just get him, and then. Like he gets sack fumbles, he gets uh, interceptions, and we're jumping on a guy that we don't even we don't even really know. So it kind of felt weird at first, but um, but it, it was a brotherhood after that. Your head coach uh, put out a viral video, not that he wanted to, when he sang "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" oh, at Wrigley Field. <laughs> now, is it true that you guys were aware of his Pennsylvania accent of how he says peanuts because of team meetings when he talked about? The toppings for for the Sundays that you guys exactly. have. Yeah. So every um, the day before, the night before every game, he always it gets excited about the desserts and he announces the the different toppings and stuff that we have. And he yeah he said he said that word and everyone just like paused for a little bit and and then we realized like oh okay that's just how he um, uh, pronounces it and then I think uh, Mitch Mitch showed me the video while we were here he said hey did you see coach um, sing the song and then it's funny on the video as he says it there's a fan that like that had the same reaction like did he just say what I think he said yeah pretty funny yeah so there's a book that Ryan Pace read Matt Nagy's read Mitch read called Legacy Mm -hmm. and there's been some less people like Mitch said hey man it's a 
as simple as cleaning the locker room. Ed Reed this weekend goes in the Hall of Fame and talks about, hey, I'm not going to have some volunteer picking up the dirty tape and the towels. Right. Winners clean up their own locker room. The All Blacks, the team from New Zealand, they yep. do the same thing. What is your take on all of that? Is it much to do about nothing or is it factual? I love it. Yeah, it's just about the, the little things. And um, and usually if you don't take care of the little things, those little things turn into big things. So it's just everyone just being accountable. And um, the cleaning up the locker room, I think the term comes from sweeping, sweeping, uh, I think it's sweep the sheds. Yes. And so, and it's funny, and that culture that coaches bring in where the leaders, we push it out. So anytime we see something, we, we use the same ter- terminology like, hey, like sweep the sheds and, um, and stuff like that. So everybody's been embracing it and it's been spreading out throughout. Prince of Mukamara is with us from the Chicago Bears, their star cornerback. Got a great little crowd out here. People are jacked up, man. This this is people are fired up. No, I I can see that. I heard like the last turnout was um I think when Erlacher was here, but when those guys were here, there was a big turnout, so we're happy to get everybody excited again. You're one of the player reps, and there's been talk about going to an 18-game season. Have you talked about that at all with any of your teammates or any thoughts on on the prospects of if the league tries to push that in the new CBA? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the common answer I think that guys have said is like, okay, we'll just well then we'll hopefully we get we get more money if that if that happens. So, um, but I mean, or if we do 18 games, then we take out some of the the preseason games, Absolutely. which I'm sure guys would would love. I actually met you when you were a rookie. You did the the uh, Pop Warner banquet in, oh, Chicago, yeah, in Chicago, and right, I was right. the MC of that event. And, and I Matt said, Forte, you, I think, yeah, was there. and yeah. Matt was there. And I said, hey man, Chicago needs a corner. You need to get to Chicago. And you go, no, I'm a giant. And right. now you're here. Right, right. You played in two amazing markets, New York and Chicago. How would you characterize the fan bases in the two? I would say pretty much the same. Just very, very passionate. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna tell you when you're doing good, and they're gonna let you know when you're doing, when you're doing not so good. And w- which is great. You love that in, in fans because that just shows that that they that they care. So um, both uh, passionate, and then with the owners, how they're how they're ran is pretty much the the mayor is their family there, and the McCaskies it's family ran. So everything is more personal and, and emotional, and you actually feel like they they care about you here. We are in Big Ten country. Do you keep tabs on your alma mater, Nebraska? And I know. It was a rough year last year, but a lot of optimism with Scott Foster, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I think they're going to turn it around. Adrian Martinez is the quarterback, and I heard he's a pretty good uh, prospect. But yeah, um, we're for sure going to turn it around. We saw a video the other day. First of all, we saw one today of Matt Nagy throwing a touchdown down the field. Look like yeah, he. What do you think of his skills? I, he, he, I mean, he can throw a long, a long ball. I mean, but it's one on ones. Anyone, anyone can throw it. Okay. The other thing is that we saw a video of David Montgomery the other day breaking tackles, and I'm like, okay, that guy's a beast. Your thoughts? I mean, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a preface it again. So I kind of see a little bit of Saquon in him, even though. Even though he hasn't, he, he hasn't, he hasn't played played it down yet. And of course, Saquon is on a different level. But I just see just like just like his his quad, just how he's built, how he moves. And I think I think he's going to be great for us. And when we drafted him, everyone kept saying, "Hey, that Montgomery kid is is, is going to be good for you guys." And so I'm I'm excited to see like everybody else. What have you made of the whole kicking competition? It seems like we're 
We're getting stacking some uh, right. practices where the guys are connecting. We you, you had Eddie connect on 12 of 12 on Saturday night. Yeah, I dude, Saturday night that was amazing, man. Those guys were going toe to toe. They, no pun intended, or pun intended, but those guys were going toe to toe, and then um, they weren't talking stuff, but you can tell that they knew like. Like, you can tell that they were kind of, they were talking stuff but not saying anything. Like, I remember Eddie kicked, I think it was like a 63, that last one, and he just, like, stared it down, gave a little couple of uh, bounces, and had his chest out. Like, they were, and it's great for them. I mean, it, it is a competition, and um, Coach is trying to build that pressure, and I'm sure he doesn't want to experience uh or i'm sure he doesn't want us to experience what we experienced last year so um he's just making sure that um, those guys are gonna be ready prince before we let you go back before social media when practice was pretty much the team there wasn't fans there nobody would know if a quarterback threw an interception or if a cornerback picked off a pet you just go about your work and get right. it done now it's oh my god he got a pick or this quarterback got picked or that guy fumbled in a drill it's too much made out of it. Um, no, I, I think we, we love the interactions. We love um, the fact that fans or anyone can come see us work and see that we don't just show up on Sundays. Like we have to put in um, work at training camp in the morning for three hours in, in, in this weather. So it's a great thing. However, I feel like if you put too much stock into it, um, I feel like you're doing you're doing um, a disservice. Like, And I'm sure Kyle Fuller won't get mad that I'm saying this, but Kyle a couple years ago didn't really have have the best camp but then like in the game and in the preseason game like dude dude was a baller so um i would just not put too much stock um in in into the practices at training camp especially because the coaches are putting us in the worst positions and and we have to make a play has it been a smooth transition to chuck pagano I would say so. Yeah, he's he, he used to be a head coach, so he has that head coach presence about him, and he teaches us a lot about um, just having a strong mindset. So one of the things he he always says is have a skin like an armadillo. So there's times where he's going to rip us, but he's not trying to devalue us or demean us. He just um, he just wants the best for us, and that's when he says like have a skin like an armadillo, like have. Uh, tough thick skin. That was Prince of Mukamura with Cap and Company from earlier today right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. We continue the football conversation with one of our friends, Ty Hildenbrandt from the Solid Verbal Podcast. We talk some college football in Notre Dame coming up next. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll talk college football with Ty Hildenbrandt from the Solid Verbal Podcast in just a minute. But first, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. Let's get an in-game report from Jesse Rogers live from Wrigley Field. What's up, Jesse? All right, Cubs trailing 2-1, to one, guys, and here in the top of the fifth inning. The White Sox made a heck of a trade with the Oakland A's back in the day. Jeff Samarja for Chris Bassett, Marcus Simeon, and both guys are leading the way for the, uh, the the A's tonight so far. Simeon with a two-run opposite field shot in the third inning. That's the lone hit of the game for Oakland. Meanwhile, Bassett has given up just one run on six hits. That run, a Nicholas Castellanos opposite field shot. His first homer as a Cub. That came in the first inning, but that lead evaporated with the Simeon one. It came after Jerickson Profar walked to lead off the third. The first walk a Cub starter is given in a week. So, Things going okay for Kyle Hendricks, except for those two moments, walking pro far and then giving up the two-run shot to Simeon. Again, the A's only 
hit of the game. Cubs trailing 2-1, top of the fifth. Back to you guys. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I think what, what the league does and what defenses do in general is they eventually do catch up to specific offenses and schemes that you do the second time you see something, um, you know, they can adjust to it. But then that's our job. We control, we control every play. So as long as we're, well, I always talked about they're chasing the cat's tail. So we'll have some new wrinkles this year. We'll have some different things, and then they're going to have to adjust to that. Chris Black and Amadala sing in for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Abdala and at Chris Black. We get to talk to one of our friends now from the Solid Verbal Podcast. You can find it on iTunes. His name's Ty Hildenbrandt. You can follow him on Twitter at Ty Hildenbrandt. Time to talk some college football. And Ty, it's amazing how quickly the college football uh, creeps up on us throughout the summer. We're only three to four weeks away. And the last time we saw Notre Dame, they did not look good getting beaten by Clemson 30-3 to in the Cotton Bowl. What do you think of the outlook for Notre Dame heading into this season? Hey guys, first off, thank you for the invite back. Good to, good to talk to you as always. Um, I think the schedule for Notre Dame is definitely tougher than it was a year ago. And specifically, there are three big games in Georgia, in Michigan, and in California that I think are going to dictate the way the season goes. And then secondly, I, I think this year's team is sort of the opposite of last year's team. And I think while we had questions about the quarterback situation and the offense for Notre Dame last year, we don't have those questions this year. Instead, we've got questions about how they're going to fill in some of the gaps on defense. So um, a number of questions. I don't know if there's another playoff run in the cards, but uh, it will certainly be very interesting. You bring in our friend Ty with a down question about Notre Dame. Well, I mean, he's come a Notre on. Dame you guy. Do you like got no you to do him like that. You got to do him like that. I feel. <laughs> I am sorry, Ty. I apologize <laughs> on behalf of Chris Black and. It's okay. The... We're still friends. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. So it is Brian Kelly's tenth year at Notre Dame. You've had a, de- uh, a, a close to a decade, basically, of Brian Kelly as a fan. How do you feel about the about the Brian Kelly era? I think it's been slow and steady, and he has certainly got the program in a position now where it's better than it was when he took over. It's finally at a position where they're sort of at that cusp of being a pretty consistent contender. This is a team that's 22-4 and in the last two years. I don't know if there's any fan base uh, around college football, maybe save for your Alabama Crimson Tide or the Clemson Tigers at this point that wouldn't take that. So the recruiting has been strong. I think year in and year out, they're kind of getting to a point where they're really consistent, maybe a few blips here and there, but by and large, it's it's hard to argue with the results. You know, the one thing that we see from Brian Kelly is usually he has a hard time committing to one quarterback. We saw Ian Bullock mm-hmm. be really good last season. Um, how do you see the quarterback and the coach relationship heading into this season? Well, I think it helps that we know Ian Book's going to be the guy. That's been has been an issue for Brian Kelly. And last year, actually, he handled the situation pretty gracefully, which I did not expect. Of course, Brandon Wimbush started as the starter, didn't end as the starter because Ian Book came in and really grabbed that position. Um, but I think now headed into this year, knowing that Ian Book could get the job done in a big game, maybe not so much against Clemson, but then again, who could do it against Clemson, they know what their weaknesses are going into the year. They know they have to try and build more of a vertical passing game. They need to work on some explosiveness. 
Um, it would help Ian Book if he could get some semblance of a rushing attack also to aid him and aid that offensive development. But I think it only serves to strengthen the quarterback position now that they've got that year under the belt. They sort of know what the paces are where they need to show some improvement. Is this the year that Michigan finally makes a playoff? And if not, what do what do they do with Jim Harbaugh at that point? I, I think, yes. I am real high on Michigan this year. I love their offense, which is a weird thing for me to say. It's been a while since I feel like I could say that. But, you know, a year with Shea Patterson, he finally, um, you know, has, has, I think, more of a supporting cast around him. Defensively, Michigan needs to fill in some gaps. They, they have a fair amount of turnover on defense. But uh, I am not sold on Ohio State now moving forward with uh, a new coach, even though they've got so much talent on that roster. And I, I really do think it's it's going to be whoever comes out of the East that gets the best look for the Big Ten as that playoff contender. And I'm I'm digging Michigan right now. I'm I'm not one of these guys who thinks they should get rid of Harbaugh even if they don't make the playoff. I know Michigan fans are are growing short on patience, but I, I think this is probably the best crack for the Wolverines. And uh, even if it isn't, Harbaugh is still a good coach. If he wants to coach it, they should keep him. Ty Hildenbrand from the Solid Verbal Podcast. You can download it on iTunes, talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Ty, I think last summer we were having this exact same conversation about Michigan and Harbaugh and how we think he's a good coach, but it takes some time to build the recruiting classes to actually get to that upper echelon tier in college football, which it seems to be only Clemson and only Alabama sitting atop it at the moment. Can Michigan kind of be that next team on the cusp, or or do you see someone else kind of being in that conversation at the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, Georgia right now is on that cusp. I think they're they're probably the next closest. Oklahoma is is kind of on that on that thin edge. Um, Notre Dame may be pushing up against it as well. We'll see what happens this year, but they're they're kind of in that next best tier. And I, and I think Michigan, certainly Ohio State, I, I don't want to neglect Ohio State in that conversation. They're there as well. Uh, and Michigan's close, too. You know, the recruiting has been strong for Jim Harbaugh. These things take time. When, when Jim Harbaugh took over, Michigan was not in a great place. And it's taken a while for him to institute his system to really get the players in there that, that he thinks can be helpful. Getting Shea Patterson, I still think, was a, was a really big move. He's built defense first and from the trenches out. So, these things take time. You're not going to get to the Alabama or Clemson levels overnight. And um, he's still one of the best five to ten coaches in college football uh, at the absolute bare minimum. And I think he just needs time to work his magic. Is there a team out there that you think that people aren't talking about enough as we head into the last few weeks before the season that could make a playoff run, a Washington State, an Oregon, a Texas A&M, maybe a Michigan State? Well, I mean, one team that I'm, I'm perpetually interested in is Texas. And I'm not going to say that they're going to make this this enchanted playoff run or anything like that, but so much of it hinges on how they build a supporting cast around Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger last year had 41 total touchdowns and 164 carries on the ground. They cannot do that again this year and expect him to last a full year. So if they can establish a running presence, that would really serve Sam Ellinger well. Um, this is still a pretty young team down there. Obviously, they've got to deal with Oklahoma, but the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma and Texas is pretty wide open. So 
I think there's a case to be made that Texas um, could turn some heads if they can establish more of the power running game that they're that they're really trying to build down there. So right now in the early going here, and I haven't gone through as many teams as I think I would like. Um, there's still a couple weeks before the season, but Texas is one that is probably a cliche answer, but at the same time still a really interesting team. Ty Hildenbrandt from the Solid Verbal Podcast, talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Do you think Gus Malzahn will make it through the season? And if they don't have a great season, do you think this is his last for Auburn? Man, I have no idea. I can't even give you an answer to that one. Gus, just, Gus Malzahn eventually is going to leave Auburn. We don't, <laughs> yeah. know if it, we don't know if it will be on his own volition or someone else's, like a booster paying $35 million or whatever crazy amount to buy the guy out. Um, but it's it's sort of like a running joke, at least on our show. Gus Malzahn's just mere presence in the coaches' room because it it seems like he's always about to get fired, and then he hangs on a little longer. And um, they need to do something this year on offense. And it feels weird to say that about a Malzahn team since that's kind of his calling card. But last year they weren't all that good. They need to get better on offense. They need to take advantage of some of the talent on that roster. There's going to be a new quarterback this year, which doesn't make anything easier. Um, but I think certainly it, it's there. You know, they've got talent. They're in the tough side of the SEC. So, it, again, it's, it's a complicating factor. But if they could show some improvement on offense, I, I think they'd be wise to keep him around another year and, you know, see if he can get the ship going in a in a direction, at least, that it feels like they're building towards either a conference championship or a, or a playoff bid. It's just like... It's so tough in the SEC because everyone compares themselves to Alabama, and there is only one Alabama. And I've waited this long to ask an Alabama <laughs> question. So um, I, I just want to know, I'm looking at Clemson's schedule, looking at Alabama's uh, schedule, how long into the season until we get the haters that say that both schedules are, are too soft? Well, I mean, okay. You can't really it is. No, it is. I'm admitting. As an Al- I'm saying it's, is, it, who, it is a soft schedule. Who's that argument? Who's making that argument about Alabama, though? In the SEC West? Oh, come on. There are haters everywhere. If you look at the people, will always bring up strength of schedule, and they'll be like, oh, it's like 60th or something. I, Adam, I am not one of those people. I appreciate that. And I, I, I am a huge fan, a huge, uh, uh, a huge fan. I respect what Nick Saban is building and what Alabama has been able to do in the SEC West. No one should make that argument about their schedule. They scheduled pretty well out of conference for the most part over the last five years. So you, you can't make that argument for Alabama, at least not in my mind. You probably could because the ACC is, is resetting this year. Um, the Clemson schedule, it's, it's a bit jet-puffed in spots, and I think you're going to see that argument be made throughout the course of the year. But it's just it's so hard because we know going into the year that these, again, are the two best teams. That's and the nicest way of saying soft ever. <laughs> Jet puffed. Yeah, but, I mean, but seriously, it was, it was the same position last year. Mm-hmm. And on, on one hand, sure, you can look at Clemson's schedule and be like, who did they play? But then you saw what they did in the playoffs, and all that stuff goes out the window. They were clearly the best team. And, I, and we're in the same spot again. Make that argument at your own peril. If you want to be a hater and go through life that way, so be it. Ty, what's next for the preview podcast, Counting Down the Season? We've got the Big 12 podcast dropping on Wednesday, and then actually we start going to two episodes per week. So we've got the Big 12 coming up, then we've got the Pac-12 coming up on Sunday, and I think the Big 10 in about a week and a half. 
um, before we get to the SEC. And uh, after that, we start talking games, guys. It's, it's going to be here before you know it. Thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. All right, fellas. Take care. That was Ty Hildenbrand from the Solid Verbal Podcast. Download it on iTunes. You can follow Ty on Twitter at Ty Hildenbrand, one of our friends, and uh, covers college football. And I'm looking forward to the season, Abdallah. And, you know, you just can't let the little tr- uh, Twitter trolls come at you about your soft Alabama schedule. We we know, if you're a college football fan, you know that Alabama chooses to play a softer schedule so you can be there in the end. We understand how it works. Chris, college football fans understand. Chris, Don't let the Twitter, Twitter Chris, trolls get had, you. When we had the privilege of talking to Alabama head See, coach. See, you didn't do it. You didn't do time. it in the interview. You don't get the Jolly Rancher that I put on the, the table. the privilege of talking to Alabama head coach Nick Saban. He himself has pushed for a conference-only schedule. I scheduling more of his own teams. It is not his fault that college football has allowed this loophole where you can schedule whoever you want to. And so be it. He can take advantage of it. Why not? And the behind-the-scenes stories, I told Adam if he could work in before the interview I would not do to that. To tie, nope. if he could work into a mm-hmm. question... Last week we talked with Nick Saban, Alabama head coach. I'm not that. And then guy. follow up with a question to tie. I would give him a Jolly Rancher. I am not that guy. He did not do it, so he and does I'm not get the not Jolly a Rancher. Big fan of Jolly Ranchers, anyway. Who would you rather have for this college football season, Tua Tagovailoa or Trevor Lawrence? We discuss next. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Am Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight. Coming up, we will talk about Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback at Alabama, against Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at Clemson. Who would you rather have this season in college football? We'll address that coming up in 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, Abdallah, have you texted back your number, neighbor? I have not because they have not texted me. Maybe you should uh, send a text. Say, uh, hello, I neighbor. I don't text Do you know what the number neighbor is? I do now because okay. Eric told me because I'm old and so, didn't know what it was. So what you do is uh, your yeah, phone number, whatever your phone number may be, and you text the number that's one off and you say, hey, I'm your number neighbor. What a weird thing. I don't like, get it. Like, Why are we just texting? Would, would you respond if someone texts you right now and said, hey, I'm your number neighbor, would you respond to them and have a full conversation? Probably not. Well, that's not very nice. Sorry. We're going to talk college football next.